Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Thomas Big Spiders. So first off, an apology for no podcast last week. I'm going to be completely honest. It was my first weekend of my summer break. We had a birthday party on Saturday, and then Sunday was Father's Day. So first off, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I decided I just wanted to chill at home and not do anything. I sat down to do the podcast, and I'm like, you know what? I, I'm taking a break today, so I figured I've earned it. I, I hate missing podcast weeks. I take great pride in the fact that I've been able to almost the whole, what are we on, four and a quarter years run of this, have been able to hit a podcast every single week. But I was just like, you know what, I'm going to take a break. So I'm back today with a topic that I'm pretty excited about. So that's the good news. The topic I would have done last week probably wouldn't have been as fun as this one. So you get a better topic, although I'll put the other one on the back burner, let it kind of simmer a little bit and come back to it. I think the fun thing with the topic sometimes is sometimes I get a really good topic. And then the more I think about it, it's either going to need more research or I need more information. So what I'll do is just come back to it later on. But we'll get to the main topic in a moment. First, to kick it off, want to talk a bit about a new gene. of tarantulas I'm now keeping as of last week, which is Ephibopus. Now, I did have an Ephibopus murinus many years back. I had a viewer from YouTube who actually gifted me one. If I remember correctly, I got like an email from a dealer saying, hey, we have a spider here purchased for you. I just need to know when you want to send it. And I got in wonderful little spider, grew quickly, and unfortunately, it ended up being male. And I kept it, you know, he was alive for a little while. I had somebody that was interested in taking him for breeding, and then they dropped off the planet. So I ended up raising him until he died. So unfortunately, he came and went, and I never got a lot of video from him. And the, one of the reasons I was excited about getting him is I have a lot of people ask for emir and his husbandry notes or videos there's not a lot out there apparently the ones out there if you i did search one of them up and it's pretty bad so they wanted some good information on them and i love doing getting good information to people that's kind of the reason when i buy new spiders it's always with the mindset that i'm eventually going to grow these up and make a video or an article or a podcast about them so folks can care for them correctly so long story short i was contacted over a year ago i was kind of shocked when i looked up the date by aaron cashel a breeder who wanted to send me some e Udeman at the time. I'm trying to keep in mind this has been going over a year. And we went back and forth. It was like, yeah, I'd be interested. And long story short, what ended up happening was just a comedy of errors, a long, it was basically a long game of email tag where I wasn't getting some of her emails. I thought she wasn't interested in uh, sending any anymore. She wasn't getting my emails, so she didn't think I was interested. It was this weird, awkward thing where we just went back. For my email completely my fault. I will take 100% responsibility for this. My email is terrible. I hate Outlook. It, my stuff, I think, goes to bulk. I get a lot of people's emails that go to bulk, and then I get these angry emails why I didn't respond to me. So long story short, as time went on, we almost got the shipping, and then the weather wasn't jiving. Her weather was too hot. My weather was too hot. It was, I always try to wait to a point where both temperatures are around the same area and then she had more species she had a couple other ones she was getting murinus and she was getting rufusins so she's like do you want me to send some murinus and rufusins and i'm like that would be amazing and her, her caveat is it was that she wanted me to do a genus review on them eventually i love doing genus reviews a i'm a collector at heart so i love when i pick a certain genus and try to get as many of them as i can i love being able to do genus reviews because it means i have a good collection of one genus like whether it be Salmopius, which is when I've tried to get all of them, um, Pisolotheria, 
uh, Therafosa. Which one am I? Oh, gosh, Formictopus. I'm try, I try to get as many of the Formictopus as I can. So just the idea of doing a genus review on these guys. Possibly, you know, not that far down the road. Obviously, there'll be some rehousings. We'll do an update then. I'll probably rehouse at least one of each at the same time. But it, just that idea got me going. So we finally connected. She finally sent them. I also purchased a P, uh, two P Brachyromosis from her, which I was excited about because you can't have enough blue spiders, quite frankly. Long story short, she sent them out last week. I got them in. They were all healthy. I did a video on them. So if you want to see the video, how I got them set up, that is up. I have a Phoebopus murinus, a Phoebopus rufusens, and a Phoebopus udaman, which would be murinus is the skeleton, rufusens is the red skeleton, and udaman is the green skeleton tarantula. And obviously, being a huge horror fan, I love anything that has that horror tilt to it. So just the idea that skeleton tarantulas, I have to have them, and the pictures of them as adults. I have to admit, I slept on these guys for quite some time. I did years ago almost pick up an Ephibopus cyanognathus the blue fang and there's been a couple times and then when i finally decided i want to get one they were very difficult to find this is the only species i currently don't have i believe of the ones that are currently offered in the hobby i know erin's trying to breed them but she's got a male that's not wanting to do his thing so a little shout out if anybody has a mature male e cyanognathus please let me know i'll put you in contact with her because I need to have this gap filled in my collection. But anyway, I did the rehousing video. They are awesome. Cool thing about these guys is, uh, well, a couple cool things. Number one, they actually have their urticating hairs on their pedipalps. Not sure why they would evolve to have that. That would be interested. I'd be interested to hear any type of theories on that one, but that's definitely something that's different from most New World tarantula species. They are also related to, I believe, in the subfamily, same subfamily as Salmopius and Tapanakinia species, and they have similar behaviors when they're slings. So originally when I had my E. murinus, I set them up as a typical burrowing sling with a lot of moist substrate, a little bit of moss. Doing some more research on these guys this time around, I found out that many of the slings have semi-arboreal tendencies. They will actually construct web areas outside of the ground, so they'll do a little bit of burrowing, and then if you give them something to hide behind, like cork bark or some moss or some leaves, they'll kind of web up underneath there and kind of live above the ground a little bit. Again, much like Salmopia species and Tapanakinia species, my Salmos tended to stay burrowing till they were quite old. Even now, I have some that I have one of my Salmopias reduncus who lives more terrestrially than arboreally. She actually has a little burrow behind her cork bark that she comes in and out of. It almost, I don't want to go full fossorial on this one because it's just a shallow burrow, but it does have two entrances or an exit and entrance, whatever way you want to call it. And she actually still lives more like a terrestrial slash, slash fossorial species. So definitely cool spiders. I set them up. I did notice that one of the Udaman that I checked on earlier has done a turret, a dirt turret up the side of her enclosure. I gave her some cork bark, leaned against the side with some moss behind it. She continued to web up and turret up, which is cool because there is there are those arboreal tendencies that we're talking about. But awesome spiders, very excited to grow them up. A huge thank you to Aaron for hooking me up with these guys because again, it's a lot of time. There's so many spiders out there. And I think that's what it comes down to. And now if people that sometimes contact me 
And I, they're almost offended that I'm not carrying or I'm not keeping a particular species of spider that they absolutely love. And it, the problem is I'm trying, I would love to, by the time I die, I'd be able to say I've kept the vast majority of species or at least a, a species from every genus of tarantula out there. It's a goal of mine. We'll see how far I get. But do know there's nothing I ever swear off. There's just certain things catch my eye and I end up grabbing them sooner than later. But there's been a lot that I've slept on over the years that I, when I eventually got them, I'm looking over at my Zanesta species and realized that, my God, I should have gotten on these much sooner. So very excited about these. Thanks again, Aaron. And I will obviously keep people updated as they move on. If, if they grow as quickly as my e Muranus did in the past, I'm guessing that we're going to have a rehousing video three months or so down the line. We'll see how it goes. Some of them, unfortunately, when I housed them, the containers I had for them were a little on the smaller side. I mean, not small for them right now, but if they grow a couple times, they're going to outgrow them. So I'm guessing a rehousing will be in the near future. Now, for today's topic, as I alluded to earlier, this one was actually, it came to me a couple, it was given to me originally by a student of mine who was asking spider questions. I love questions from people that don't keep spiders because I've been in the hobby and kept spiders for so long now that I lack that perspective to kind of look into it as an outsider, and I love hearing what people ask. And one of the big ones that comes up is, do you keep any dangerous ones? Which ones do you keep are dangerous? Do you keep this? Do you keep that? And they start naming off things that they've heard on the news or through social media that are, quote unquote, deadly spiders. And one of my students that we're having, he's a smart, smart kid, and one that will you can have a good discourse with when you're talking about stuff. He, he really listens really wants to learn about it and when I started kind of dispelling some of the myths and rumors surrounding some of the species that he was naming off he's like you know what you really should do a video of I believe what he said the most overrated and I'm like well I don't think any of them are overrated he goes no by overrated I mean the ones that are blown out of proportion the ones that the spiders out there that everybody has the wrong idea about that they think they're, they're like super dangerous but they're really not that bad and I'm like man that's a really great topic now he wanted me to do it as a video I can go out and limb and say he's not going to hear the podcast I don't believe <laughs> I don't think many people that aren't aren't really into spiders can sit there and listen to one of my podcasts. However, this is one that I do want to turn into a video at some point because a lot of what I do through the Tom's Big Spider stuff is try to educate and I want people to be aware when there is a risk. I want people to be prepared for spiders that can be fast, that can have potent venom, that can be less reluctant to use that venom. Never going to be a person that downplays stuff. But unfortunately, I think a lot of the hobby is, for lack of a better term, upplayed, where folks will blow stuff out of proportion. They will tell stories. This, this one bit me. My aunt lost her arm for this one. All this crazy stuff. And it's just like it, it kind of falls almost into the urban legend territory. So what we want to take a look at today are... Those spiders, and it's, we're not just limiting this to tarantulas. We're doing tarantulas and spiders. It's, a, it's Tom's Big Spiders, not Tom's Big Tarantulas. And although I obviously mostly focus on spiders, I do think there are other true spiders and mygelomorphs and other animals out there that folks would probably be interested in keeping, except they've heard all these terrible things about them. And some of these are the ones when you tell folks that you keep spiders, I have kept every single one of the ones on the list that I'm going to talk about today. So this again is coming from personal experience, but there are certain ones that people always mention when you say you keep spiders, they want to know, do you keep them? And then you either get the, aren't you afraid they're going to kill your whole family or aren't you scared? And that's where I get into my discussions and start explaining some of these myths surrounding them. So we're going to call this 
this one's epi- this episode the top five exaggerated threats in the hobby. We're going to talk about some true spiders. We're going to talk about some tarantulas, and I'm going to give my background information about keeping them and some of the background information I have as far as how I first learned of these animals and how I first thought of them. Because believe me, I am not somebody that has been completely immune my entire life to these urban legends, so to speak, around these animals. It's I was afraid of spiders when I was a kid. I was afraid of spiders right up to adulthood. And although I consider myself a logical person, I do know how to do research, and I would always look into these supposed myths or or these exaggerated details that people were giving. I knew where to look, so it didn't last forever. And I a part of it, I think, came from the fact that I didn't want these things to be deadly because that would make them even more scary. So if I could go and do some research and go, oh, wait a minute. They're not all that bad. For example, I will bring up, this is not on the list because I don't keep them, but I do want to kind of honorably mention it. It would be the L reclusa or everybody's favorite, the brown recluse or fiddlebacks or violin backs or whatever they're calling them now. I can remember being back in the 80s where there was a local news article about how they were invading Connecticut and they were deadly and they would rot your arm off and watch your kids and don't let them go out and play. And I was a kid that used to play out in the woods all the time. We had a little stretch of woods between our house and our neighbor's house and me and my friends would meet there and we'd play in the woods constantly. And suddenly I would look at that woods and go, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to die. But luckily my father did some research on it. I ended up talking to some people that kind of over the years, I learned that they are not nearly the threat they may come out to be. Yes, in extreme cases, they could be dead. Deadly, yes, if you get bit by one, no, you get bit by one, you should probably get checked out, but the bites are overreported. The spiders are overreported. I the funniest thing is when that article came out, everybody in my state, every poor little brown spider they saw, they were smashing, killing because they thought it was a recluse, and it wasn't a recluse. They were overreported, the bites were overreported. Just this year, I had a kid come up to me and go, My aunt got bit by a brown recluse, and he showed me a picture. And he's like, yeah, she almost died. And it was like a little red dot on her. So it probably wasn't even a brown recluse. And she obviously wasn't close to dying. But anyway, that's one of those species that you hear the stories about. And it gets in the media. And I've, you know, we used, Billy and I used to publish fiction, uh, horror fiction. I can't tell you how many spider stories I would get and how many of them would include brown recluses just attacking people and killing them. It's crazy. So with that in mind, these are ones that are in the hobby. These are ones that are fairly common. And these are ones that folks, it, it comes in two camps. And there, I have two reasons for doing this. One is to enlighten, hopefully, some of the folks that may be on the fence for these guys that may have looked into keeping them, but are like, man, I don't want a deadly spider in my home. I, I don't need that. I don't need that risk. I totally understand that. So maybe through discussing these guys today and giving some of my experiences with them, it'll make people a little more comfortable about keeping them, realizing they're not that bad. The other thing is, is to turn off the knuckleheads that go out there and say they want to just keep the most dangerous animals in the world so they can show off. And I do have a lot of people that will respond or comment on my YouTube video. I have people that have emailed me flat out. Hi, what are the most dangerous spiders you can think of? I would like to keep them. I love the idea of keeping something dangerous and it drives me nuts. What are the most dangerous tarantulas you can think of? I need to get this species because I've heard it's crazy. It's a demon. You guys know who I'm alluding to here. A little spoiler alert. And I had seen pictures of them running around attacking people. I need to have the spider. Those are the people I want to turn off because if they realize it's really not as dramatic as people have made it out to be, maybe they'll leave them the heck alone and stay the heck away from our hobby because we don't need folks like that in the hobby. I have zero patience for the adrenaline-seeking knuckleheads that go out there and try to get you know, spiders, not because they are fascinated with the animals, not because they want to learn about them, not because they enjoy keeping them, 
but because it's something scary and perceived as dangerous that they can show off to their friends and show how brave and manly they are. No patience for that whatsoever. So I'm hoping that by putting this type of information out there, some folks will hear it and go, oh, these aren't all that scary after all. Never mind. And just move on. Because that's those are not the types of people that we want to attract. Those, to, to be completely honest, the comments I get from those guys are the ones that I really have to bite my tongue on because they come on and they just want to mouth off of how cool they are. And you're not cool. It, it's not just because you can handle an animal that could potentially put you in the hospital does not make you a cool person, at least not my list. It's not something I, I see those kind of things on social media and I just roll my eyes, not my cup of tea. To be clear, however, because I said we don't want to ever underplay anything. Every spider on this list does have the potential to bite, does offer in the very least a painful bite, in some instances a bite that could result in some type of hospitalization. So we don't want, we can't ignore that aspect of it. And these are spiders that due to their speed and potential venom potency, should probably be left to folks who have some experience in the hobby. So I would not recommend any of these for somebody new to the hobby. I would definitely not recommend any of these to a child. That Flat out, those are some of the stipulations I put in there. These are not, none of the animals on this list are to be trifled with. Let's make that very, very clear. However, personally, I always find there to be a big difference between something being inherently dangerous and something that deserves respect and carries a risk. Inherently dangerous makes me think there is little you can do to mitigate the possibility that you're going to get bit or attacked or find yourself in a situation where you're going to be at the receiving end of that venom. On the other hand, ones that you need to be cautious with, it means, yes, there is a potential there, but you should be able to avoid that negative outcome. And I thoroughly, 100% believe that with all my heart, that if you're cautious and respectful and practice good, the big one, again, it always comes down to those rehousing techniques and, and you're careful when you're doing feeding and maintenance. Most of the time, they shouldn't pose a risk. So let's start off. The first spider on this list is one that I saw years ago. A buddy of mine who is unfortunately no longer in business, I don't think, Mark, from Mark's Tarantulas, had one of these, and he was feeding it, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then I went and did some research, and what did I find? Well, a bunch of information talking about how this spider is probably the most venomous spider in the world. I found some exploitive lured videos that were talking about how dangerous they were and how the venom can easily kill a bunch of humans and that one bite would probably kill you within 20 minutes. There's no anti-venom. You're bit, you're dead. And I was like, oh, okay, Mark's a brave man and I think I'll back off. However, then I did some more research on them and found out that they are a very super reclusive spider. They are very fast. They would much rather run than fight. And the big one, which I think we're dealing with venomous arachnids or any type of arachnids is a huge consideration, is the fact they can't climb plastic or glass. It's one of the reasons I find scorpions so easy to deal with and not particularly dangerous because they're not going to come out of that enclosure as long as it's the enclosure is taller than the scorpion is with its tail it's not going to be able to get out at you so if you cut it's very easy to cup them i just find that makes them much easier to deal with the spider i am talking about is sicarius tomasoides or the chilean six-eyed sand spider 
absolutely love these guys. Unfortunately, my adult passed recently. I had had her for, oh God, like four years, five years, and she was already a good size when I got her. They are a long-lived spider. And unfortunately, they have this reputation, which again, I think adds to that allure to them to the point of being super dangerous. Now, the jury, I tried to find the most current information on this because for a while, they were considered to be the most venomous spiders around they would kill you and then there was a change where they said actually the bite wouldn't be that bad at all there was supposedly some new data collected a new study they said nope they don't contain that ingredient that can kill you and i'm not going to go up i'm not an expert at venom so unfortunately i'm not going to be able to break down the components that are going to i did do some reading up on it but i'm not knowledgeable about it to just bust them out on the fly in the podcast but there was missing a key ingredient but today when i was doing a a search for it i found a study that was done in 2020 and the conclusion was in conclusion because the venom of the estomosoides has phospholepsid activity and can cause hemolysis cell death of skin fibroblast and dermonecrosis it fulfills the requirements to be considered a spider able to produce harmful effects to humans therefore estomocytes must be included and considered a dangerous spider in chile and precautions must be taken to avoid human exposure to the spider so first of all anybody that does know scientific talk i'm going to apologize for flat out butchering every scientific word in that one i practiced them beforehand but it's just when you're trying to read them on the fly and you're not used to pronouncing these words that's what you get so i apologize but the long and short of it is it seems like the jury's still out it seems like they could still have that component they need bottom line could they be dangerous maybe treat them like they are absolutely i mean i'm not playing around i did a rehousing video not that long ago maybe two or three years ago and I talked about the fact how there was kind of mixed information out there, how dangerous they were. Some people came on and went, oh, they'll kill you. Other people went, it's really not that bad. I treat them all the same anyway. However, what doesn't get mentioned is even if the potential is there, they're a relatively easy spider to keep and contain. And unless you're a total goon, there's no way you should get bit by these guys. So let's pretend like maybe they are super potent. They avoid humans like the plague. I believe there was no, one of the big issues with these guys is they talked about how they could kill people, but there wasn't a single instance of one of them biting and killing a person that they could find. It was nothing. And, and they've been kept in the hobby for quite some time now. So you figure some bonehead gets drunk, decides to handle it or do something stupid, gets bit, dead in the hospital, whatever it may be, it would make news. There was nothing out there. So uh, could they be potent? We'll go with they could be potent. Is it likely you're going to get bit unless you're a total idiot and try to handle them or you do tong feeding stuff and they overshoot and maybe go up the tongs? There shouldn't be any issue. Again, they are super reclusive. These are spiders that basically take little tiny grains of sand. They embed them into their exoskeleton, so they're super camouflaged. They bury themselves. If you've ever seen video of it, they bury themselves underneath the sand and completely hide themselves. And then when the prey item comes by, they burst out and they grab it. And the thought process is the reason why their venom is so potent is because they have to sit a long time and wait for something, a small insect, that happens to walk over top of them so they can quickly bite it, release it. Sometimes they wrap it all up. Sometimes they bite it. The thing walks a few steps and it just dies immediately. They have that potent venom to take it out quickly so they don't have to expel extra energy. They're not going to be eating as often and they got to make sure that bite counts. However, if you watch them in captivity, you rarely ever see them. When you do see them, it's when they're hunting. They burst out. They grab something. They eat it. They're perfectly fine. So again, I know there are folks out there. I've had folks contact me and say, hey, what's the deal with these guys? I want to get one. I heard they're super dangerous. 
they're not really that bad. I mean, they're still, uh, again, Venom, uh, somebody can chime in. Uh, my buddy Luis, if you're listening to this, Luis, and you have an even further updated one. It looks like the last one was 2020, but Luis always gets the papers. If there's something out there, he'll know it. But as far as I know, even if they are still, I pick these guys up when I believe them to be super deadly. They are not that difficult to work with at all. And again, you'd have to be a bonehead to get bit by them. I know people say accidents happen. This is one that because they can't climb the glass and come right out you, right out at you. And I will say just a word of caution if you keep them in something that's say acrylic and you put sand in there and some of that sand because of the static gets stuck to the side of the enclosure. They can use that to kind of get a foothold. So be careful there. But overall, very easy to keep, very shy, very, you know, they're going to bolt before they try to stand their ground. They're very reluctant to bite. So not a spider that I would call deadly in the sense that, or dangerous in the sense that if you have a keeper that has kept spiders for any length of time, that knows how to do their rehousing, that knows how to keep their fingers and hands away from them, they should have no problem with Sicarius tomasoides at all. So Chilean six-eyed sand spider, yes, terrible reputation, beautiful spiders, awesome to keep, and ones that are really not that difficult and should not pose a serious safety concern to anyone who has any type of experience keeping spiders. Now, the next spider, we're going to basically include a couple different species here because they all kind of get the bad rap. But this one is infamous. It's showed up in movies since probably the beginning of cinema. Everybody knows about them. There is a Marvel hero that is named after one. She happens to be very lethal. It's, of course, we're talking about the Black Widows, Latrodectus species, Latrodectus mactans, and Variolus. I've kept both of those, but the Black Widows, Northern Black Widows, Southern Black Widows, there's other species as well. I first saw these guys years ago in a movie. I can't for the life of me remember which movie it was because I was super, super young, but I remember somebody got bit and, they, and then they died. Somebody used them to kill somebody. And I was like, oh my God, what is that? And my mom's like, that's a Black Widow. Those are, my mom was scared of spiders too. It wasn't until years later, fast forward, I think 17 years old, Mr. Clocker's biology class. Mr. Clocker was one of the best teachers I ever had. Always got teacher of the year at my high school because just an awesome guy, knew his stuff. And he had grown up down south where they had a lot of black widows. And I remember black widows came up. He goes, ah, oh, they're really not that bad. And this is a guy I really respected through, I had him three years, I believe, in high school. I was very fortunate to have him three years because he'd usually take these myths that we would hear, you know, biology, science myths, and dispel them either in the classroom through experiments or just through his own personal experience. And he talked about the fact that he had actually been bitten a couple times. He used to work doing stacking wood. And he said down there, what would happen is they'd get in the crevices. And a couple times he had, didn't have his gloves on, picked up some wood. And one time he got bit in the tip of his finger. And I said, like, were you all right? Did you have to go to the hospital? He goes, ah, I felt a little sick after lunch. And he told me there was a little numb spot in the tip of his finger to date from where he got bit. But that's about it. And he was the first one to tell us that usually if a person is bitten by a widow, they will not die. The most common side effects are pain in the area and possibly some nausea. That's about it. He said the people that would be at risk are the elderly, compromised immune systems, or really small children. That would be something you'd want to worry about, but most folks aren't going to be killed by them. Fortunately, there's a lot of information out there about them being super deadly. This is a spider that is brought, this is one I like to show pictures to my kids because it, it opens up a good dialogue on it because they are convinced that the black widows are absolutely lethal. As far as they're concerned, a black widow bites you, you are dead. They will look up things online that will 
encourage this type of thought process that will kind of bolster that argument that they're deadly. And then I love getting into a discussion with them about how the fact they aren't really that deadly, that most of them are quite shy. The males in the wild, you don't see all that often. Females usually try to tuck themselves away. I have a woman that watches my, that she's been watching my YouTube videos for years, doesn't know any spiders, but just likes watching videos. I'm named Joyce, who is on the older end of the spectrum. We'll put it that way. I'm not going to give her age. I would never do that. But awesome woman. And she talked about where they're at. They get them in their patio furniture all the time. She says that when they pull their patio furniture and they have to go out there with gloves and be careful. But she goes, we don't really live in fear of them because we know they're there. We're careful. And they're not an issue. In your home, they're very easy to keep and corral. They're not bad at all. You set them up correctly. They create their little webs that extend all the way down to the bottom. They, they come down if something triggers those webs. They grab it. They wrap it all up. They bite it. And that's about it. They're very easy to contain. They're not particularly fast when compared to some of the tarantula species or other true spiders that I kept. And they're fun to watch. And again, one of those ones I honestly feel like if you have your basics down, if you have your rehousings down, there should be no way you should get bit by one of these guys. I, I firmly stand by that. And unfortunately, this is another one of those spiders that has that air of dangerousness around that attracts the wrong type of people. I honestly, I'm looking over, as I turn and go away from the microphone, I'm looking over at my female now. She is gorgeous. I don't keep her because she's dangerous. I keep her because she is a beautiful spider, that sleek black, I mean, the black widows, it's it's all over their Marvel universe, you name it, there's black widows everywhere, and they're just gorgeous spiders. So, although they get a terrible rep for, and I, I get the areas where they can be very prolific and around your house, they get into your house and you're, you have children, I totally get the fact that they can be a pest. I've had people come on and go, yeah, you may think they're beautiful, but you don't have to live with them all around. I get it. I do. But as far as the hobby is concerned, as far as keeping them, they are very easy to keep. They are fast growing. They eat well. They're fascinating to watch. They're beautiful animals not nearly the monsters that they are made out to be. So Latrodectus species, the black widows, ignore a lot of what you hear. You need to be careful with them. You need to be cautious. You don't want to play around. You don't want to get your hands in there while you're feeding them. But if you're a conscientious, careful keeper, you should have no problems with them whatsoever. So the next spiders we're going to talk about, let's make it very clear, there are species that can be very, very dangerous to people. However, when you hear the common name of them, they tend to get lumped in together. I admitted that I was one of the folks that when I heard the common name, I'm like, I will never keep those. I will never have anything that's lethal in my house or potentially lethal in my house. But then after talking to a buddy of mine, Charles, who kept them and really wanted me to try them, I was like, you're going to love them. Like, I don't know, man. I don't want to take a chance of that bite. And I started doing some research. I found out, yes, are there ones that could be deadly? Yes, there are, or at least very dangerous to people in areas where they don't readily have the antivenom. Yes, they're absolutely are. But are there species that aren't that bad? That's also true. So what we're going to talk about next are the wandering or banana spiders. Wandering spiders, banana spiders, anytime you hear that, if you're like me, you originally heard about them through stories on the internet. There was, I think I talked about the show, A Thousand Ways to Die, where a man goes and buys some produce, probably bananas, a spider comes out, bites him, and 
finds that he um, has a certain problem that actually is beneficial with the ladies, where the ladies are concerned. That's as far as we're going to go with this one. We always keep the show PG, but I'm sure most folks out there, if you listen with kids, the kids are like, what is he talking about? Hopefully the parents know what I'm talking about, priapisms. And that got out there that you could, that's one of the, I hate to say comical side effects, but it's one that usually gets a giggle. A lot of people, you can't help it. And a lot of us are immature. But the other thing that comes with it is death, which is not so good at all. Both of them are bad, but but that's how a lot of us heard of them. These horror stories of people getting, you know, bananas into their supermarket. They go to pick up some bananas. The spider comes out. They're like, whoa, what is this thing? It bites them. And next thing you know, they're dead because, oh, it's the banana spider. It's the wandering spiders. Now, the thing with these spiders, let's get this out of the way. One thing that is true about all of them, they are fast. Some of the fastest spiders I've ever worked with, right up there with the huntsman spiders. I think I've moved recently. Obviously, everybody knows I've moved into keeping some more true spiders and I've been amazed with how quickly these animals can move we talk about fast tarantulas they could run laps around the fastest tarantula species we're talking true teleporters so let's get this out of the way they are very fast and not something that anybody new to keeping spiders or arachnids should be trying to tackle I could very easily see somebody getting overwhelmed quickly during a rehousing or accidentally startling one during feeding or maintenance and it being a bad situation however let's also get out of the way the fact that there are species out there as a matter of fact the most common species in the hobby are not dangerous because they lack the neurotoxin in their venom that the Brazilian species do. So when you hear Brazilian wandering spiders, and that would be Phanutria species, those are dangerous. They are dangerous. And now how dangerous? I already covered that on a podcast a while back where we looked at how many people actually die of these from these bites a year. It's not very prevalent. Not many people die from it. Not many people at all. There is an anti-venom. So if you're where these guys are locally, they have the anti-venom there. Where it might get a little sketchy is if I'm in the middle of the United States and I have a phenutria species that bites me, the chance of me getting that anti-venom in time it's going to be difficult to get it there in time and you're going to be charged gobs of money. I read this article about somebody that was bitten by, I think it was actually a snake and they had to use a helicopter to bring in the antivenom from South America and the cost was like 50 grand. So regardless, it's not something the Brazilian species, you don't want to mess around with that. It's something that I would say that, you know, obviously if anybody's going to keep them, they better have their stuff intact. But The good news is there are beautiful species that aren't Brazilian that are available in the pet trade, readily available, that are fast-growing spiders, awesome to watch, hunt, eat great, beautiful. I'm talking about Cupienius species, so I currently have the Gatazi and the Sally, or Sally. Awesome spiders, just again, they start off little, but they hit like trucks, they move super fast, they're gorgeous, awesome spiders to keep, and If you were to get bitten, I would say try not to get bitten. I have not seen a threat posture from any of mine. They are fast. Usually, spiders and tarantulas with speed would much rather run and hide than stand their ground. I mean, let's get that out of the way. The ones that have the speed will use it. You talk about fight or flight. If you have the ability to flee more quickly than most people can move their eyes to follow, then you're going to use that. So most of them will bolt. I can see people getting in spots where they're trying to do rehousings. They've got them in a tight area. They get their hand in there. That would not be good. But again, if we're practicing good rehousing techniques, we should never put ourselves in that position. So the other one I have is Tenius species, the red fang wandering spider. 
I think I pronounced that correctly, probably butchered it. But that's a species that's thought to be a little more potent. However, there isn't a lot of information on it. But what I found that, again, they are any animal, any arachnid that is that quick and offers a nasty bite should be treated with caution. However, there is a big difference, at least in my mind, of a spider that can offer a painful bite that could possibly put you in a bad spot and one that's going to kill you. I think that needs to be mentioned. And so the wandering spiders, I actually avoided them all for years. I had seen pictures of them. They look beautiful. Part of it was due to the fact because I heard how fast they were and I figured I needed to really get my rehousings and care down before I approached a species that could be that potentially fast. And I'll tell you, I've seen these guys move. It is amazing how quickly they can boogie. But the other big part was the fact that I had heard they were all, I heard wandering banana spiders. I'm like, nope, no way. I'm never going to keep them. They're deadly and they're not all deadly. So that's something that needs to be put out there. People need to be aware of if you're eyeing wandering or banana spiders at some point and you were turned off because of the fact that you don't want something that can kill you. There are species of banana wandering spiders that you can keep that do not offer instant death if you screw up. That That's important to note. So again, should they be trifled with? Absolutely not. Should beginners be keeping these? Absolutely 100%. There are very few types of spiders or tarantulas that I dig my heels in and say nobody should be keeping these if they haven't had experience. But these are ones that they are so quick. And if you're not used to how spiders move, you're not. if you don't have good rehousing techniques, you could put yourself in a spot and end up having the spider get out. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to think about having a big wandering spider wandering around their home. But Wandering spiders, if you're not talking about Phenutria species, the Brazilian wandering spiders, they are gorgeous, they are easy to keep, and most importantly, they are not all deadly. Now, time for us to move into the tarantula portion of our podcast. You guys probably know. Let's see, there are two species left on this list. I'll give everybody just a quick chance to think about which species they may be. I will give you a hint. I took the easy way out one of them and I just picked the entire genus. But here's your chance, a little pop quiz. What are the two species we have left in this? I'll give you a hint. I alluded to one earlier. That's everybody's favorite fiery red orange ball of death. The Turinochilus murinus, or the OBT, or what, I shouldn't just say the OBT. It's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. We just say OBT. OBT is only one version of this spider. The P. murinus, there are several different versions. I just posted a photo of my P. murinus teta. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. T-E-T-E. Again, we're just, this whole podcast just should be called Tom Butchering Names. But anyway, it's a totally different looking spider. There's the no color form version. There's all different versions of these out there, all different colors. But we're going to kind of focus on the OBT, which is the orange version, the what has now become the most popular version. These guys are infamous into the hobby to the point where I've actually had my students who know nothing about tarantulas whatsoever come up to me and go, do you own one of those OBT things? They know it just from watching YouTube videos and seeing people out there. There's certain YouTubers, uh, one in particular that's got a huge audience, a lot of crossover to more mainstream folks that don't keep tarantulas. And he usually portrays his spiders as being a lot more dangerous and nasty than they are. I'm not going to get any more into it than that. But let's just say a lot of people, when they find out of a YouTube channel, immediately go, oh, have you seen this one? Uh, yep, I have. And we get into a discussion of how I might do things differently than that person, how my spiders might act differently. But since I got into the hobby, the OBT has been notorious for being one of the no-no spiders as far as 
nobody should keep these guys. They're too dangerous. They're crazy. They're terrible personalities. They're fiery. They're demons. They're nasty. I I probably said nasty already. Just really described as being ornery and aggressive. I've never heard aggressive used so much to describe a spider as I have over the years with the P. Murinus. Every time I post up a P. Murinus video, it doesn't matter how well behaved my specimen is. People come on and talk about the fact that that spider wanted to rip my face off. That Did you see that point right there? She was thinking about bolting and jumping on you. No, she wasn't. My Actually, my grown girl is a sweetheart if I was the type that would hold tarantulas and not care if I potentially got a bite that was going to make me super sad, I would hold her because she's very laid back. Now, that's not the case with all of them. Let's make that very, very clear. However, I also want to say that I have right now seven different P. Murinus, what's supposed to be no color form, I will say I'm, I'm getting a little worried that they are actually the orange variety. They're looking very orange, but they're beautiful. So I think I have five of those. I have my adult female, my old adult female. I have the Tete. I honestly don't know how it's pronounced. I'm sure there's people laughing at me right now, but you know, T-E-T-E. So seven of them total. I, I want to say I have another one, but I'm not sure. I have zero issues with any of them. If you give them room, the species is some of them like the burrow, some of them like the web, you have to give them room for both. I've talked about this in my rehousing videos. I did one on the OBT where I kind of did not only rehouse my old girl, but tried to dispel some of the stigma attached to them that they are horrible species. This is one that I think the problem, and I've alluded to this before, they are very readily available. They have been very readily available for many, many years. I think a lot of pet stores have them. And I think what happened in many cases, this is just speculation on my part, but it fits in my head is that they were so popular, they started popping up in pet stores. So you get somebody who would have one in the pet store, an adult female, they were imported. I know years ago I ordered two that I thought were captive bred. They were definitely wild-caught adults. They would pop up pet stores. People would see them. They were in these terrible enclosures that offered them no space to do their thing. There was no place to hide, no webbing, no place to dig. And so you get a very angry spider. And somebody would take it home, and they have read that spider bites are no worse than bee stings. They have read these things about spiders being relatively calm and tractable. And then they get these ones home. They stick it in something that kind of mirrors what they saw at the pet store. It's in a tank with a little bit of substrate. Maybe you went out and you splurged, and you put it on some aquarium rocks, and you Stuck it in there, and what you have is an angry spider. Although it's not really angry, it's defensive because it's, for lack of a better term, scared. It's in the open, it can't hide, it's insecure about its surroundings, and so you're gonna get a very defensive animal. And I'm sure this happened quite a bit with people like, you gotta see this thing. I just bought this tarantula, and it's crazy. It's just sitting there slapping at me every time I go by, and it's got its fangs out. Because it's not comfortable in its surroundings. It's being defensive. It's not being aggressive. It's not plotting to come out and kill. I've literally had people post things like, you know, when they're you're asleep, they're plotting how to get out so they can bite you in the face. No, they're not. They're sitting in their dens. They're sitting in their web areas. They're hiding and they're just waiting for prey to go by. They're not thinking anything about us. The only time they are forced to think about us is when we open that, we interact with them. And if not given the room to boogie and get out of the way, yes, they are going to stand their ground. I will say that OBTs, not... I haven't had this issue, but other folks report that you can be a little more defensive when they are insecure, and that's important to take note of, but I think a lot of this comes back from several years ago where they started flooding the hobby with these beautiful orange spiders, 
people were picking them up. They were in no way, shape, or form prepared for them. They didn't keep them correctly. And so you ended up with a very defensive spider. People talked about I'm sure some people got bit. I'm sure some people went in there, got their hands bent, went, holy crow, this hurts. They have a reputation for having terrible venom. I don't know if it's any worse than any other old world species. I did back in the day when I was thinking of getting one, go and read all the bite reports that I could find on them. And every, I should say just about every single one of them, because I'm sure somebody will find one somewhere that doesn't fit this, but just about every single one of them involved a keeper doing making a mistake, doing something silly. A couple of them, they were poking it with brushes. It turned around, went up the brush. One of them, I believe the guy took the spider out to do a photo shoot with it. So now it's exposed, it's threatened, it's defensive. And he got too close with the camera and it struck him. There was another one where the person was trying to do mating and the female bolted and ended up in his lap. A lot of things that you could sit there and easily just from reading the bite report go that could have been avoided not making fun of anybody not criticizing but just that's what you need to look at when you look at situations like that all right people are getting bit well what are they doing with them are they are they getting bit because they're opening up because the way people have made it sound for many years you open up this container get ready because it's coming out at you and i don't find that to be true at all as a matter of fact i don't find that to be true with any spider if they have a burrow if they have a place that they can retreat to and feel safe secure and hidden they are not going to to charge out at you. Now, if you catch one out and about, if you have an OBT and a very shallow enclosure and you rip the top off and it rips a bunch of webbing off and the thing freaks out and goes over the edge, that, that I could see happening. But if you give them the room, give them the proper step, there shouldn't be an issue. So unfortunately... This spider became one that became very popular with folks that wanted to prove. I, I always joke that this was like the spider that people would keep to prove that they deserved their tarantula keeping black belt. Like, look, I can't tell you how many folks will approach me and be like, hey, I'm wondering if I could keep this species. I just want to let you know I, I started keeping a P. Murinus a year ago and I've had no problems with it. It's like the one they go to to show, hey, I got this stuff on lock. I know what I'm doing. So I do think that some folks get into it, and this is the sad part. They hear about this and they read all this stuff about them being demons they see other folks youtubers having issues with theirs and that's something that entices them because again there's that danger involved they want that they want something that's dangerous they want that thrill of every time they open that having that adrenaline rush of thinking this animal could possibly put them in the hospital could hurt them and it's kind of sad because they've gotten such a bad reputation there was a point i almost think we kind of drove people away from him in the hobby. I remember being on a forum where people would come up and say, you know, oh, I want to get P. Murinus. And folks started saying, they're ugly spiders. Why would you even want one anyway? They're overrated. I don't think they are. They're one of my favorite spiders of all time. I have many of them. I love the color. I love the look. I love the webbing. Just amazing animals. I don't think they're overrated. I do think they're overrated in terms of how dangerous they are. If you have your husbandry down, if you're keeping, you've kept some old worlds, you know what you're doing. If you give your spiders space, you shouldn't have any problem with them whatsoever. They're not the monsters that people make them out to be. They're not going to try to get out of their enclosure and attack your family and attack your dogs and attack your children. It's just not what they are. So, OBT, the P. Murinus, any of the P. Murinus definitely need to be on this list because we need to get word out. Do you need, like every other spider on this list, do you need some experience under your belt to keep them or should you have experience under your belt? Absolutely, no doubt about it. However, 
Are they something, a species that I would classify as any more dangerous than any of the other hundreds of old world tarantulas offered? No, I would not say they are. As a matter of fact, I have fewer, I have no issues with mine. Again, I have seven. I got to rehouse a bunch of them. We'll see how it goes. Maybe I get a little nastiness, but most of them, I pop open their little containers. They shoot right down the little web dens. I don't even see them. Some of them are even shy enough that I'll drop a cricket in. They'll wait to attack the cricket until I close the enclosure and they feel secure. So P. Muranus OBT, let's stop with this nonsense. Let's let people know, yes, this isn't a spider to be trifled with. You need experience, but let's stop making them out to be demons. I hate that. And it's the only thing I love posting up videos featuring my OBTs, but the only thing I hate about it is the inevitable comments of people talking about how dangerous and monstrous they are or the fact that they want to get one because they heard they're dangerous and monstrous. Those, again, aren't the type of people we want in the hobby, not the type of people I want to attract. I want people that are going to see these guys for the beautiful animals that they are and give them the respect that they deserve. So P. Muranus, number two on our list. So we're all the way up to number one. Let's see how many people guessed correctly on this one. If you followed me for a while, you probably know where this one is going. And again, are there other spiders we can put on here? Yes, I'm sure as I keep more spiders and have more personal experience with them, there'll be other ones to add. These were just ones that I've really, they're usually asked about when folks get into the hobby or for folks that aren't into spiders, but here that I keep them. These are the first ones they bring up. Do you have one of these? Do you have one of these? So again, the point of this is to educate folks that might someday be looking to keep them, but are afraid to give them a little more confidence to maybe make that leap at some point when you're ready and only you will know when and if you are ready, but also to deter some of the ding-dongs that think that keeping spiders that are supposedly dangerous or deadly makes them cooler. Because again, generally, not to generalize, but I will in this case, people that have that kind of attitude aren't doing their homework. Uh, that's what I've found. People that have that kind of attitude haven't done enough. They obviously, they'll come to me and they'll shoot me messages, but you obviously haven't watched my stuff because if you watch my stuff, you know I tell you these ones aren't that bad. But the next one, I told you I'm going to cheat a little bit because we're not going to limit it to one spider. It can't be limited to one spider. We're going to do an entire genus. This is one of my favorite genera of tarantulas ever. I often comment that I almost find them to be a, I don't want to say a step up, but almost different. There's just something about them. They are so lithe and athletic looking and gorgeous with their fractile patterns. They can get super big. They're leggy. They're fast moving. I'm of course talking about my favorites, Pisolotheria species. And we're not going to again, narrow it down to just one species. We're going to do the whole genus Pisolotheria, probably the most demonized genus of tarantulas in the entire hobby. It was great because as I was putting this list together, I was trying to figure out, and again, it can be taken in any order. I kind of did a, a, a top five thing, but any of these ones make the list because there are ones that uh, there's a air of danger around them. And as I was trying to figure out which one was going to be number one, I had two comments yesterday of people coming on the Peace of Etheria videos and talking about how dangerous they are, they will never keep them, aren't you scared of them getting out? And I get, I would say, probably a handful of comments a week just on Peace Lothary. I have one video out there where I tried to dispel the myths about them, and I still get folks to come on and make comments about you know, how they've read they're terrible, and that's not what I've heard. And the good thing is I also get a lot of folks coming on to that video that kept them. They're like, spot on. That's exactly what I've seen. So let's get this out of the way first. Are these guys fast? Yes, they are very, very fast. Very leggy, arboreal species. They can move. They can move, especially slings. They're one of the ones that you would call teleporters. So 
there's that. And then Venom. They are one of the most potent tarantulas as far as venom, at least venom toward humans that there is out there. They are notorious for having very, very nasty bites we're talking about. And again, this isn't about scaring people. This isn't trying to undermine my own message here. This is about getting the true information out there. They have a bite that can cause severe localized pain that can actually spread up the limb. There's been talks of nausea, heart palpitations, headaches, chest pains, and then the worst, the cramping. It can be full body cramping. There was one guy that actually described waking up in the middle of the night, have the cramping start in his toes, work all the way up to his calves, to his thighs, to the point where he passed out because the pain was so bad. So not an animal you want to get bitten by at all. Not And, and let's make this very clear. I understand completely if some people hear about the combination of speed they hear about the venom and they go, no, it's not for me. I get it. I, there's The best way to not get bitten by a piece of Litheria species is not to keep one. So I do get folks that have made that decision that, you know what, that's something that I don't want to deal with. And I respect that completely. However, what also gets out there is a lot of folks think that they are very defensive or aggressive. I get the aggressive thing all the time, which blows my mind because honestly, they are some of the most peaceful spiders I have. My peaceful, I mean, they are very, very shy. They have natural camouflage. That fractile pattern that I alluded to earlier in the podcast is not just there for decoration. If you see them against a piece of wood, cork bark, whatever the wood may be, it helps them blend in with it. So a lot of times you will see with these guys, and those of us who have kept them for a while have witnessed many times, if you jostle the container a little bit before you open it, the first thing they do is they crawl up under that cork bark, either into the cork bark, or if you give them a flat, they'll crawl right up against it, and they stretch out and they flatten themselves out because they're very difficult to detect because of their natural camouflage. So a lot of them, their first reaction is to buckle down. And I've had situations where one flattens down, and I've done some work in the thing, and it's not moving. It's hiding. It's it's holding out that I don't see it. A lot of folks will actually, when they rehouse, they carefully, when the thing flattens it out, they take the whole piece of cork bark out with the spider on it because it's not going to want to move it's feeling secure and they place that in the new enclosure and they're perfectly fine so that needs to be mentioned first reaction is they are going to settle down and use their camouflage if they have burrows some of them mine i'll give some of them now i do give the cork bark rounds to if you give them a cork bark round most of them will make their homes inside the cork bark round so if you disturb them and they have time to get away you'll see them skulk and go right into the round and hide and again an easy way to rehouse, if you have one that's in a round, you take a piece of cardboard, you slide it underneath the bottom of the round, take a piece of cardboard, you slide over the top of the round, when the spider's in it, you pick it up, you move it, you put it in the new enclosure, done. It's really that simple. Now, they have speed. So as we mentioned earlier, any spider that has speed is generally going to use that speed if it feels threatened. So what do we talk about nowadays? It's fight, flight, or freeze. Their first reaction that I found is to freeze. They freeze, they flatten out, they try to hide. If they get disturbed to the point where they get jacked up, they usually start circling the enclosure. They are very, very fast. What I would usually advise people to do is, I don't care how intent you are in getting that spider rehoused that day, Put the cover on the enclosure or close it up if it's like in one with a door. Walk away, let it settle back in. That's it. Walk away from the situation. I found that they are usually, and I'm just knock on wood. I have three of these guys I got to rehouse, so I don't want to jinx myself. I have found that they are very easy to keep calm when you move them into a new enclosure if you know what you're doing. I have not had many issues with them at all. I find it funny because when we talk about the ladder system as far as keeping tarantulas, we always talk about keeping Salmopeus and Tapakinia species before to get used to the piece of Litheria. But most folks that you talk to that keep both, all three genera of tarantulas will say that the Tapakinia and Salmopeus species 
tend to be much more high-strung and defensive than the Pisolotheria species. The idea behind it, though, is you're practicing with spiders that don't offer that bad, that punch with the venom, that bad bite. And I totally get that. That makes sense to me. But it's kind of funny because I will have folks that will tell me, oh, yeah, I keep tapies, I keep Salmos, but I'm never going to touch Pisolotheria. I don't need spiders that are that high-strung. No, you're keeping the high-strung ones. Pisolotheria are actually pretty laid back. And this, the nice thing is I've been doing this for a long time and I've been talking about them for a long time and I have videos, I have articles out, I have podcasts out about them. I have the infamous podcast that I tried to do an update of and I posted the same exact one again. So it's up on my site twice as drives me nuts. But anyway, I've had so many folks chime in over the course of the years telling me exactly the same thing that I see, that they are actually a very shy and peaceful spider. And it takes a lot to jack them up. And if you are a responsible keeper, if you're a cautious keeper that gives them the respect that they deserve, if you know how to do your rehousings, you shouldn't have much problem with them whatsoever. In fact, they're one of the species, because the majority of Pisolotheria species grow so quickly, you could conceivably start one off in a 32-ounce deli cup and once it hits about three inches drop it into its adult enclosure and you can even take that rehousing right out of it you just let the spider climb out on its own eventually it will get sick of that 32 ounce deli cup it'll climb out if you give it enough spot to hide if you give it a cork bark round or some cork bark with moss behind it it'll come out it'll make the rest of it its own you're perfectly fine and you can avoid any possible interactions that could lead to the spider becoming upset defensive or possibly striking at you but It'll never stop driving me nuts, the amount of people that have heard these terrible things about them, that they are aggressive, defensive, nasty, you know, they've been demonized, because I think I think the hobby tried to keep the wrong people from getting them, and I understand that, I've talked about this before, people need to be warned, people that are just getting in the hobby will see a P metallic and go, I need to keep that, they need to know, hey buddy, hold on, slow down a little bit, they're very potentially, they're very fast, they offer one heck of a bite. You want to kind of get some experience under your belt. I totally get that. But I think we went too far to a point where I have so many people that come on. I will never keep those. That's the one thing I've said no to. I'm not keeping those. And then they name off other spiders they keep that I quite frankly think are probably more difficult to keep or more potentially defensive than the Pisolotheria species. To date, I think I have kept 13 species of them. Well, 13 if you count the Subfusca, Lowland, and Highland as two different species. And I have received exactly one threat pose, one threat pose, and this is 13 different species. I mean, I've had 11 different P Metallicas, four P Ornatas, four P Regalis, uh, three Vitatis. So I don't know. We'll say 40. I've kept 40 different specimens of Pisolotheria. One threat posture. And guess what I was doing when I got the threat posture? I decided early on in my Tom's Big Spiders career that I was going to get a picture of my P. Metallica because she was so beautiful. And I opened the top of her enclosure. I got the camera right up there and I kind of slipped and got a little too close to her. And she struck at the camera as I took a picture. My fault completely. I messed with her. And the next thing is when I took the phone away and was like, oh my God, what did I do? She had bolted into the webbing and hid. So she just threw up the threat posture because I startled her slapped at me and when I played back the footage I will say that I didn't see the fangs bared she was slapping and then went and hit that's it and that was from my own stupidity so let's stop demonizing these guys they are beautiful beautiful animals they are amazing to watch fast growers great eaters I, there's I can't say enough amazing things about them and all I can say is if, if you're having 
worries about them, talk to some folks who keep them. Don't take my word for it. I, I've had people go, oh, all your spiders are calm. They are. And maybe there's something in the air here that does it. I don't know. But I, I like to think it has something to do with how I treat them and how I care for them and how I keep them. But if you don't believe me, if you don't take my word for it, ask other people to keep them. Sure, there are going to be stories out there of folks that have high strung ones. Let's make it clear that there are always exceptions. There are always spiders that can be a little more high strung, a little more defensive than others. And we can't discount that. So there's always going to be a story out there where somebody goes, oh my God, I opened up my PR knot and she threw up her legs and she freaked out. I, I totally get it. And I also get that there are folks out there that, you know, I always joke about airplanes. I don't, I've flown once in my entire life. I'm not a fan of flying. And people are like, well, the chances of you dying up there are so slim. And my theory is I might not be able to pick how I die, but I can pick how I'm not going to die. And that's going to be up in a plane. And it's kind of a joke. I can understand folks that are saying, all right, you know what? I understand that I probably won't get bit, but I, the best way I can make sure I don't get bit is to not keep the spider in the first place. I get that. I really do. And I'm not trying to pressure anybody to change their thought process. What I'm trying to do is keep these animals out of the hands of people that are just picking them up because of the perceived threat that they pose, that they are perceived as being dangerous and edgy, and try to help those folks out that are sitting there. I'm hoping best compliment I could get on this podcast is somebody going, you know what, after listening to this, I decided I'm going to give this species a try. That would be amazing. I would love to hear that. That's one of those things when I hear that, it, it gives me a sense of pride. It makes all this stuff worth it. You know, I'm sitting up here right now in a room that's about 85 degrees, sweating my tuchus off doing this podcast. That would make all this worth it to hear that. So last ones on the list, Pisolotheria species. Guys, if you're on the fence and you feel like you've got your, your husbandry down, you've kept some old worlds, you have your rehousings down, don't don't avoid them. Don't give them a shot. Give them a try. See what you're missing. I think you will find the majority of people that do jump in with Pisolotheria. I will tell you that I, as much as I hear people come on, and say, oh my God, I will never keep one of these. They're scary. How do you keep these? They're demons. I also get probably twice as many people that come on and go, I don't know what people are talking about. I keep them. They're, they're gorgeous. They're laid back. I have no problems with mine. I just, I'm extra careful. So that would be our list for today. Our five ones that are kind of uh, exaggerated threats in the hobby. Sicarius, Tomasoides, the Chilean six-eyed sand spider, Latrodectris species, the widows, the black widows, the northern widows, the southern widows, wandering or banana spiders, not including the Phanutria species. Again, for folks to keep Phanutria species, if you want to chime in about them, I'm... I have not kept them. They do pose a threat, and I do wonder about the fact of how you would go about procuring antivenom. That's the thing. If antivenom for them was super available, maybe it would be a different ball game. but I'm assuming in the United States, not a lot of hospitals are carrying that, so that's why I haven't added those to the list, but a lot of species of beautiful wandering spiders out there that you can keep without worrying about being killed. P. murinus, or the OBT and then our Pisolotheria species. So that will do it for this one. If you have any other ones you want to talk about, please feel free to chime in. Again, there were other spiders I thought about in the list and I kind of crossed off because I wanted to stick to ones that I've kept personally and have that personal experience with and ones that are in the hobby or fairly prevalent or available in the hobby because those are the ones that honestly people are going to be trying to get a hold of or trying to be deciding whether or not they should get a hold of. So that will do it for this one. As always, you can find me at thomasbigspiders.com. You can find me at Thomas Big Spiders on YouTube, where I, again, I post up the Ephibopus video. That's the newest one that's up there. I have 
a bunch of rehousings to do. So there'll be a lot of rehousing videos over the summer. Plus, I want to spend some time doing some of the fun videos. A couple lists I want to do, one about enclosures. I do want to do one about the overrated ones because hopefully my student will see it and be happy that I took his idea. So shout out to Julian B for that idea. Again, awesome idea. And I'll look forward to talking to him more about spiders when we get back to school in August. Guys, stay safe. We'll catch you all next time.